Hello, everyone. The Staunchest Kid Podcast, episode 142. Um, this week I have on the very funny, um, the king of Chicago, <laughs> Paul Farvar. Am I saying that right? Farvar? Yeah. Farvar, yep. Farvar. Uh, what's up, bro? Not much, buddy. How are you? I'm pretty good. Can't complain. Um, you're a real road dog, bro. I respect you. I really do, man. You really get at it. Um, you were telling me today, like, oh, I got to send emails, you know, I got, we got to do the podcast a little later. Yeah. Um, how do you, uh, do you like working the road? Are, are you kind of, uh, how's that going? I do. I, it's a necessary evil. I don't want to be a road dog necessarily, but I just yeah. love, I love big crowds. I love big shows and there's just so much, there's only so much you can do in one space. Right. Cause, yeah. uh, I was in Chicago for a while. I'm here now this week. And uh, you just start seeing the same people at the shows. And you're like, well, what did they see me do last time? Whereas yeah. on the road, you have the freedom to just basically, you know, do anything. You could do sh- jokes you haven't done in like two years. And mm-hmm. it's cool. So I, I, I love that aspect of it. And I, I just love doing stand-up and adjusting to the different uh, variables that you face on the road. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's very uh, freeing. I don't. Do you get like this when you when you're up on stage in like in your hometown or whatever? I mean, like town you started comedy in, and uh, I always get so in my head when I know people in the crowd, other comics, like especially people I started out with. Yeah, it could be someone that's not doing shit with their career, but they like we came up with open mics together. And if they're in the crowd, I in my mind, I'm like, oh, I gotta really, you know, I gotta bring it, I gotta show them where where you know I, I'm good now. And I get so in my head and like I don't do well normally. Like I'll do well, but like I'm never I don't feel like free, you know. Um, yeah, it's I it's I feel like that's like imposter syndrome, and I definitely feel that where the only times I get nervous now on shows is uh if I'm doing something at like a home club or in Chicago, yeah. is when there's uh other comedians that i respect in the crowd especially right. like guys who i know who may have you know who may not like me for various for reasons unknown to me but yeah like, like okay now i do have to prove myself <laughs> and if i was going to do a new joke i'm like okay well i'll do it after i start crushing yeah uh, that happened recently and then the other time if i do see people that just saw me i, I kind of I start saying, well, I want to do something they didn't see me do. Yeah. Um, but I stopped doing that latter part because I'm like, you know what? Screw it. They they knew that I was here and they, you know, they're going to have to see some of the same jokes. So. Right. Yeah. It's because I was actually out. I'm in L.A. and I did a show and this guy um, from the city who moved out here and like uh, we had like a little bit of a, a weird thing where he called me like a piece of shit and all this stuff, you know. And he was at the show, and in my mind, like I had my, you know, whatever set going in, and then as soon as I saw him, I'm like, oh, like I'm like crossing things out that like I've been doing for years, you know. I'm like, oh no, it's got to be all new. I got to show him I'm, I'm yeah. celebrating, and like I don't even care if this guy likes me per se. Like I don't want him. To, yeah. But just like I want him to like see me doing well, but not even with stuff that i know works like i want to like seem like i'm a real comic like i always got new thoughts you know yeah it's the competitive edge it's it's just like the proving our our self-worth to our peers i think that's mm-hmm. an important thing whether it's good or not or healthy or not i don't know the answer to that but i do know that it is an added motivation for me sometimes i know i just did a show recently where 
I know there's a bunch of comedians who talk shit about me because I got, <laughs> I got a lot of shows that I didn't deserve, you know, years ago. But now I think they know that I do. But I oh, just you're saying that you, you they you don't think that they thought that you didn't. They didn't thought that, and I yeah. and now I can see that in hindsight. You know, when you start doing comedy for a while, and you see people who you don't deem uh, having gone through the process or yeah done the worth you get kind of envious you're like what i why do they get to cut corners even though it's so stupid but i did have that happen to me i did have a lot of opportunities happen to me very early on mm -hmm. and there's still a lot of people who who talk shit about that but when i see them or if they're on a show i mean i actually have way better shows because i'm so competitive yeah I'm very competitive and i'm like okay yeah and especially if they're after me, I'm like, oh, I was going to do new stuff, but I'm going to do right. really hard for you to follow me. And I, yeah. and I do that and it's so petty, but. No, dude, it's, it's, I love, cause I, cause like, I, I didn't, I was never good enough as a kid in high school, speaking of high school, right. um, at sports. Right. I did. I, I just, I'm not athletic. I just don't have that, that, that in me. Yeah, you know? same. So I didn't make any of the teams I wanted to. Like I dreamt about being like a, like a baseball player growing up. I I wanted to you know be an athletic jockey dude. And um, the other day I was doing comedy and this guy, I was up in L.A. and there's another New York comic on the show and he's murdering, just up there murdering, right? And I'm going on after and you know inside you're like, well I'm from New York too. Like I, I want to like you know, and then I'm closing the show out so like I gotta like you know show I know what I'm doing blah blah. blah. And I'm up there and like I'm on my like third joke you know and it's a joke i know works it's like my like get him every set joke you know and it murders it's getting like an applause break and like as it's getting an applause break in my mind i'm like fuck yeah dude like i'm just like that like competitive yeah, animalistic beast comes out you know where you want to like like uh, like that kobe in you you know where you want to just <laughs> shout in the face of the other person you oh, know yeah yeah, I had that. I had that recently. Same thing. Like I after the show, I was so cocky and unbearable. Comedians <laughs> were coming up to me they're like, "You just crush." I'm like, "Yeah, you make it sound like it's a, a, a rarity." Of course, I'm <laughs> my home fucking club because I'm I'm at the Laugh Factory, um, which is my home club. But I'm I'm gone so much now. So when I come back, it's like I'm a forgotten. There's all new faces, and I'm like, I want yeah. people to know that I built this place, <laughs> you know, yeah, cause yeah, I was yeah. one of the first comedians that got passed there a while ago, but um, yeah. in Chicago, but yeah, I mean, I get it. And I think it goes back to high school. I think a lot of, I always, when I'm on a date or when I'm talking to friends or something, I always try to find out what they were like in high school. And I feel like that shapes everything you do. I really do feel that way. And I was, yeah, like I, I went through so many different phases in high school. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean that's what we're that's what we're dealing with when we're stand-up comedians. We have yeah. our demons, and uh, they come out in the weirdest of ways. Yeah, and it doesn't even have to be like with you. It's like I want to show these fuckers like these pieces. Yeah. Of shit. It could also be like I like that guy, but I don't want him doing better than me. You know, so it can be like yeah, a competition where it's like if you're killing, I want to break that. I want to break whatever decimal meter or applause break ratio you got. You know. Yeah, no, there's certain comics that we do shows and uh, they crush and I'm, I'm, I want them to do well. Like I'm excited. Yeah. There's a couple of comedians that I used to take on the road with me when I was uh, touring and I, I, now they're fucking blowing me away. Like they're crushing. Yeah. 
did a show recently with this comic, Alex Dragovich. He's a mm. comic. He's just moved to New York. And we're doing a Tuesday show at Laugh Factory, which is like the workout night, you know? Yeah. But he, he brought his A. He was bringing like A material. I'm like, what are you doing? I have to follow <laughs> Yeah. So I'm like, okay, great. So I did. I was I was planning on doing all new material. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll do like A material for five minutes and then I'll do it. Right. But it was it was great because then I rode his wave and it was like a, it was such a good thing uh, to happen. And I and, you know, afterwards we talked about it, it was like I was like, that was so easy to follow because yeah. you brought the crowd because the people before weren't doing that well. And he fucking got, got them. I'm like, OK, now my job is easier. Yeah. Yeah. And I have a show tonight, too, where I just uh, I looked at the lineup. I'm headlining and it's a sold out show. And I'm like, oh, shit, like. So a guy who a Chicago comic who crushes all the time. We did a show together last night. We we talk shit together. Avi Sanchez. We talk shit. Magic. Oh, I know him. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. So I call him like, hey, I'll pay you to do a guest spot on my show because yeah. I know it's sold out. But I'm like, I want this show to be really good. Yeah. And I know he'll crush and he'll try to bury me because we have this love hate relationship. But he, he's yeah. like, I can't do it. I'm like, you're such a pussy, dude. He's like, it's too yeah. far. I'm like, come on, I'll pay you extra. I just want you to go on before me. So. Yeah, yeah, just to get the crowd going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and there's great comedians on the show, too, but it's just like an added insurance, you know? Yeah, dude, it, uh, when someone stinks on the show, man, especially, like, up top, it could ruin the whole show, dude. People, you could tell the crowd's, like, just like, oh. God. Yeah, well, it's not, I don't even think it's someone doing bad, because I think at some level, if you're getting booked on a show, you're pretty good. I just think that, sometimes if you see a show you're like okay why are they on this show they should be in an alt room or or whatever they're yeah yeah just don't do well in certain uh places and i'm the same way you know when i'm doing an alt room that someone a re comedian asked me like when do you get nervous still and i'm like i really don't get nervous unless i'm doing new material there's comedians that i respect in the crowd yeah alt rooms like alt rooms scare the shit out of me not so mm. much now as like five years ago but i'm like okay they're going to hate me. They're like, who's this fucking boomer on a show? Right, right. Yes. But sometimes you see those comics who are, you know, crushing the city and they're doing a show in, in like a sub suburb of Chicago, which is like wealthy, affluent, Republican. And they're doing like jokes about fuck the police. I'm like, yeah, it's not going to work here, buddy. Like, you right, gotta, right. They, they love the police. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's such a good that's so funny because like I, I don't know if uh is there you think there's a comic out there actually now that I think about it, there is, but do you think there's a I think every comic's got a room that they're kind of like like uh this isn't I know they know themselves and they know their material. Or just from past experience, like those are the rooms that freak them out. Like for me, it's funny you say Rich Applewent. That kind of freaks me out because um one, it's just like being in rich wealthy like places kind of freaks me out you know so i feel like such a disgusting person in them <laughs> so i i i kind of like those crowds i grew up in i grew up in a in a wealthy neighborhood right so that's so, it's kind of your um I can speak their language. Yeah, your yeah. Yeah. and it's fun because i think i can make fun of them and they i'm one of them in the way or if i yes. feel like some pushback i'm like relax i grew up in you know you know my dad's a doctor blah 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 right right but you know during the pandemic i was in florida for a long time and and a lot of the areas in naples or like the affluent places in florida where they're just like you see trump stickers everywhere yeah and it's like i learned to during the pandemic i learned how to 
comedy there. Like I learned how yeah. to do shows like that. So now it's like a new muscle that um, I can I can tap into. Mm-hmm. I feel um, when I feel yeah. like pushback, especially in like rural towns. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I, I kind of like those crowds. I, I think um, someone just asked me recently if I would rather do a show in a far right community or far left, and I said far right every time because yeah. it's it's they, I, figured, I figured it out too. And it's actually not as uh, depends on the if you have the material too because if all your stuff's about you know defund the place you're you're fucked you know. But yeah. if if um if you just have like generic evergreen stuff, I realize that if you like I can even do stuff where I'm doing political political correctness jokes, but you gotta like for me I tailor it to like look how re- aren't they stupid you know aren't isn't it ridiculous like this is silly yeah. and and they love it you know and also you can just it's just also a little more simpler you know but then if, if I'm doing the same jokes for another uh, for like a liberal crowd I tend to be a little bit more like um, look at these inconsistencies you know as opposed yeah. to like look how stupid this is you know. Well, I, I think that political nuances, issues that are 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 like hot topics, I yeah. think are tough to tackle, uh, especially for newer comics. Um, for me, I try to I try to be like I don't I try not to be polarizing. Yeah, but now, that, now that I'm the new stuff that I'm doing this week is a little polarizing, and I, I love doing it because I know that. I know that whatever reaction I get, I can react because I'm very well versed in the topics. Whereas I think, yeah. and I also think, um, you know also, the research is what you're. I'm saying. also a lawyer, so like, yes, I can yeah, Roe v. Way if I want to, I don't, but I'm just saying, like, I know that case because I went to law school and yeah, constitutional law class. But I think that. What we see, and I and I saw a couple of comedians fail at this this week, where they're young twenty year old comics. They have an opinion on Roe v. Wade, which of course they should, yeah. but they shouldn't be upset when a crowd pushes back or doesn't want to hear it yeah. from a twenty two year old, especially if the crowd's like in their fifties and remembers Roe v. Wade or whatever. Yeah. So I think that that's something that being older and more experienced allows allows us to to address yeah but um you know in in the progressive rooms you know i'm i'm i lean i lean left but i know that they tighten up on some racial stuff that i do yeah kind of funny because you know that's almost racist in a way too because i'm like you guys are tightening up because i'm middle eastern like because you don't think i i'm a comedian i'm laughing at myself for this right laugh that makes you racist you know yeah it's it's almost like that kind of classic thing is like if you're on the side uh, you're on the sidewalk and you see someone coming up whatever race they are you go on the other side it's like kind of subliminal where you're like oh my god like 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 we we don't know if he can handle it or what do you know like we gotta protect them or we gotta show that we care it's like no you don't dude just treat me like you would with with your fucking white friends when you shit on them for for whatever you on them for you know yeah, there's a lot of sensitivity, not as much now, I think a lot of people talk about it. But I think like, you know, five, 10 years ago, I felt it more on the college shows that I did. Yeah, I, I didn't know that I didn't anticipate it the first time I did a college show. Mm-hmm. And I was doing, you know, I was, you know, three years in talking about 9-11. And I saw them tighten up. <laughs> and, 
oh, why isn't this working all of a sudden? And Eric Rivera was the headliner and he was yeah. like, yeah, you're in a college campus. And I was like, oh yeah, that I probably didn't think of that. Like I'm such an idiot. But yeah, they have no opinions too. So college camp kids, it's just like whatever the right. thing is. Yeah. It's a woke culture. But I think that uh, the flip side of that is also true where if you're a young person and you're opinionated, more power to you. And I and I think that it's great that they're expressing themselves, but it's a comedy show. And yeah. if people don't laugh, it's not the crowd's fault. Like you, yeah, they paid to come here. You're not at your bar show. You're at a comedy club. Yeah. You better bring your A game. And you know, that's just the way I feel. And um, yeah. unless it's like a weekday show, like or they got comped or whatever, it's fine. But like right. And if you're good enough, you can you can get away with doing shit. Absolutely. You should, yeah, because you can pull yourself fun. out of it. Yeah, it's fun to do that stuff, and I, I definitely I love it. But yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. That, that that's how I get, honestly that's how I get the most fun now because I'm in LA, and when you're when you're out of town, especially like town like LA, yeah. all you're trying to do is make sure you make good impressions. And then the show the, the uh the show yesterday, I think I, I'm like four shows in. I've been doing kind of the best the A stuff, whatever. And I'm just up there and I'm going into the kind of the same shit. And I wrote a lot before and I just threw in a new thing. And like, dude, like it's at the point now where it's like, I know I can do well with the stuff and you, I get bored. So like I'm throwing new yeah. shit in just to kind of like feel something, you know, or when you do something uh, 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 politically incorrect, something uh, edgy and the crowd doesn't laugh and they're, and it's more of a challenge. So you start, and that's, I think that's when you start getting real experience where you're kind of, you get bored and you're starting to like, yeah, I heard a story about uh, Brett Ernst, right? He's like at this uh, show. I just talked to him yesterday. He's a good friend of mine. He's, yeah. he's, a, he's a fucking, he's hilarious. And he's oh, a great yeah. dude. Great. One of the best guys. But he's like, he's, he's about to go on stage and um, the crowd's like hot, right? And he tells like whatever comic next to him before he's like, here's what I'm going to do. He's like, I'm going to go up there. I'm going to bury myself. Dig a hole, yeah. I'm going to fucking dig out of it. And the guy's like, why are you gonna why would you? He's like, dude, I've been doing this for fucking 20 years. You know, it's like like I, I can go up there and kill. Like th- this is like I'm gonna challenge myself. I'm fucking bored to this shit. And he yeah. goes up and he's just like from what the guy told me, like he was like doing like just the most awkward crowd work, you know, like just just saying the, the dumbest things, you know, like what do you do for work? Fitness, boobo, go, 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 you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. just horrible. And it's gotten to a point where, like, it's dead silence in the room. It's so awkward. And and the guy was telling me he sits on the stool in just complete silence for, like, whatever, a minute. And then he kind of has that look, you know, that, that Brett Ernst look, like, you know. The smart that he gets away with everything, yeah. Yeah. And then he went into it. And then, like, a few minutes later, sure. he emerged for an hour and a half after. Yeah. So. That's, uh, I remember I would see uh, Drew Michael. Uh, yeah. coming from Chicago oh yeah I know yeah into a hole so hard and I'd be like why is he doing this he's ruining the show and I was yeah. like no he's I'm, ruining the show. Like, he's, he's I'm like hey money he's so good that he can pull himself out of there and even yeah. if he doesn't he doesn't give a shit because he had fun but I remember like seeing that like eight years ago and I'd be like why isn't he because I had a show at the lab factory I was like I put him on I was like is he doing this because he hates me? Like, this is my <laughs> crowd. Why is he doing his show? And it was like, because you always think it's about you. And yeah. uh, and then I and then someone's like, yeah, he, he likes to dig himself in holes. 
and he does and he was so good at that and he's i haven't seen him lately i'm sure he still is but he's uh, in new york yeah uh, yeah he's in new york he's he's working on a new special i was here i talked to him he was here a couple of weeks ago mm. but um but yeah i mean there's that there is that nuance of trying to be trying to keep it funny and i think the crowd appreciates that too like the other night where i did all my a stuff to follow alex yeah and then i went into my new stuff i'm so excited about it yeah that they feel that energy and then the new stuff worked better than the proven stuff because i was excited about it and it wasn't so scripted and like yes. bam, bam, bam. it was more like give and take because i'm still working shit out on this yeah. new joke and then there was more um you know moments that were just natural yeah, too, yeah. yeah natural like unscripted moments yeah. that were funny and so and then i got new material out of that too like now i have a new way to do this gay marriage joke so yeah go oh, gay marriage love that topic um yeah let's uh so real quick before we um get into the high school uh talk yeah. you said you were um uh a lawyer right I was. I was a lawyer for a while, practicing litigator. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how's that, dude? I mean, that seems like such a crazy. I got because I'm watching all these murder docs on um Netflix. <laughs> and it's all it's all from the you know the the attorney's point of view, you know, just yeah. saying the case of this I, that. I I didn't do criminal law, I did civil. So, so I okay. was in court, but it was for like car accidents or trucking accidents and like false arrest lawsuits. Like Ooh. that's that's as much as I got. I did a lot of uh, civil lawsuit cases and I did a lot of trials. I had probably more trials than most people do. Yeah. Um, High end stuff too. Um, but um, yeah, it was, it's, it was it, the, the stakes were always money. I never had like stakes of someone's life. People going to jail. Jail. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a little different, but um yeah, I mean, they were intense. It was, it was, uh, I enjoyed it. It wasn't like something that made me miserable, but I just hit a wall. I was like, okay, I'm going to pursue this comedy thing. And yeah. then, um, and then COVID hit. I was like, what did I just do? <laughs> yeah. And literally, I closed my office on March 1st, 2020. My last case, I stopped taking new cases years ago, but I still had existing clients and cases that had to go to trial. Yeah. And that last case was March 1st, 2020. Mm-hmm. And I closed shop because I was like, well, I'm on the road. I have this new writing job and blah, blah, blah. And then slowly, but surely everything went away. Right, so, right, right. What the fuck did I just do? I'm sure you had money saved up that you're, you're you know, I, I mean, of course, there was a point where we, we, we all thought the world would never come back to normal. So that's kind of terrifying. Yeah. But yeah. Well, the, the things that I was working on are no longer um, capable of working in a post-COVID wor- world for now. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, months later, I started doing shows in places that didn't believe in COVID. I was like, yeah. people were like shitting on me. I'm like, look, I got to work. Um, and yeah. if I get COVID, I get COVID. But um, yeah, that was that annoyed the shit out of me, dude, when people would uh, yeah. Yeah, try, to, try to pseudo cancel you. I remember I was doing shows in June of 2020 in like Oklahoma and stuff. And, uh, and I was safe on the road. I was the only one at like, we were at a, at a gas station once and we were the only, me and the other comedian were the only ones wearing masks. Yeah. They were like calling us pussies. I'm like, yeah, okay, well, we'll see what happens in two months. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, uh, um, but I, I'd come home, I'd test um, before I saw my elderly parents. I was like, you know what? 
that's all I knew if I got it, I'd be okay. Yeah. I didn't know for a fact, but I was like, I'm not, I can't do this. I can't not take a chance. So, yeah. Um, so three months in, I started working again. And then um, when shit closed down again in Chicago, uh, the second time I just, I just went to Florida. I was like, my family's here. I'll just do shows here. And then I got COVID and I was like, I felt like, fuck, now I'm free. <laughs> like, I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah. Cause you find, yeah, yeah, you get the antibodies. So the- yeah, but I was practicing and then uh, I closed shop and yeah. uh, didn't look back. So that, that's cool, man. I mean, that's such a di- opposite. I like when people have careers that are interesting before comedy. I mean, so many people just have yeah. like boring jobs. But it's it's uh it's very interesting when people have like you know whether it's like career, yeah a lawyer um I know someone that's like a, like a stunt guy or no no it's a motocross professional motocross yeah. guy it's like what the fuck man um, are there any skills from like being a lawyer that you think that gives you an edge in comedy absolutely I think yeah. um, well the one biggest edge I think that people don't talk about it's like do people are like do you wish you started earlier and sometimes I do but I also feel like I have real life experiences that allows me to be relatable with people. Um, and that helps having that career. Like if I, I can always like talk to, if I do crowd work and I'm just like talking to someone, I'm like, I'm not an asshole. I was a fucking lawyer. I'm not, you know, I'm not some idiot up here, right. but um, that helps thinking on your feet. Obviously you have to be quick, quick on your feet as a lawyer, you have to adjust and listen. I think the best lawyers were ones that would listen. Yeah and not just or just pay attention be in the moment i remember when i was a younger lawyer i would like prepare for motions and like read all this stuff and just read it and like be like rehearse it and then go in the watch the judge and then uh later i found out you didn't need to do that shit you just need to watch the watch the judge yeah you could probably react i remember later in life where i wasn't preparing like crazy I would just stand there sometimes and just watch the other attorney bury himself, just like arguing and just watch the watch the judge. And then if I saw her make a grimace, I'd be like, your honor. I mean, you know what I'm going to say, even though I had no fucking idea what I was going to say. She's like, I agree with you, counsel. And I win because I was paying attention to what's going on. Right. That's something you need as a comedian where you can see where the audience is what they're laughing at you can choose your own adventure and you're like yeah. okay well and i'm not saying that's a that's always the case but it does help me figure out shit on the fly and right. say well i'm not this isn't gonna work so yeah it's very much like comedy because sometimes like you always want to be prepared but when you go in there sometimes you just whatever you prepare you just got to crumple it up throw it out the goddamn window you know to be ready to change yeah yeah because i hear that from like um you know the times i've gotten in trouble I'll be talking to um, lawyers and they'll advise me and they'll like, Oh, I know this judge or this judge likes this, this judge like that. And it's like, Oh yeah. It's like every judge is like almost like its own different crowd, you know? Right. Right. You just have to know. And that's the thing. Like, I think that uh, that's a big part of comedy too. Yes. Yeah. That helps a lot. The other, the other thing too, um, I think that I'm very organized and like I, I have a good work ethic from being in law school and being a lawyer where I'm regimented where I have a I'm organized to follow up with emails if someone says you know contact me in August August 1st I have a note to be like hey don't forget to contact Bob in, in Las Vegas or whatever right um, 
so I'm very, and I'm also professional like that. Just, I think that comedy clubs know that like mm-hmm. if I do a show, I'm not going to cancel. I'm not, I'm going to show up. I might be late, but I'm always going to, I'm going to be there and right. I, I'm going to be professional. Right. So I think that stuff kind of helps. Um, the, those are the three main things I would say. Yeah. Uh, I think part of the reason why people will get mad that you get booked is because you know how to get, because you are professional, you know? Yeah. It's like you well, sit also, down. Yeah. I also was a booking agent too. My other life, I was a, I used to book bands and play in bands. So, oh, shit. Yeah. No, I know what they want. I know what they want. I know how to write the emails to be like, hey, this is it. And, and of course, comedy's different. And I know that the gatekeepers have their favorites and stuff. So, like, I kind of, I get frustrated too. So sometimes I'll be emailing a club for like two years and I'm just yeah. like, hey, I get it. If you don't want me, why don't we just, why don't we stop in this game? I'm wasting my time. You're wasting, I'm wasting your time. Yeah. Usually that gets a response when I say something like that. Yeah. Um, or sometimes they don't respond. I'm like, all right, well, fuck it. I'm not going to do. There you go. Love and, and whatever. But um, I do know. Yeah. I, I feel like I know how to get booked. Um, uh, and rebooked, which I think is more important than just getting your foot in the door. I think yeah, comedians are like, oh, once I get here, that's all that matters. But it's like you still have to crush and you still have to get people in seats, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What would you What would you say about? Because uh, I think I have a kind of a, a hold on how to get booked. But then, yeah, you said about rebooking. Like there are clubs that you and you, I do well, and then I'm thinking like, like man, I, I can't, uh, it's been a year, I'm emailing my avails, I'm not getting back, like, I'm pretty sure I did well, like, uh, what, what do you, what do you, what's your advice on, like, getting rebooked? I don't know the answer to that all the yeah. time, you know that there's certain things you can't control, Yeah. but I think that if you are undeniably funny, mm-hmm. people are asking about you, you, sh- you, common sense would dictate that you will get booked, right, uh, some people they just have their favorite there's you, you're not going to be their favorite yeah uh, there's a club that books comedians that i've seen bomb but they just continually book them because may and maybe they see something in them that they don't see but it's like i i i try to let go of that it's still frustrating when i'll do a show there and the club the booker will be like why aren't you here i'm like I don't know, man. I'm tr- I'm trying to. Yeah. Like I'm trying. The booker will say that to you. I've had the manager at a club be like, first of all, like I did a show at a club that doesn't book me that much anymore. Yeah. And, uh, he had me close it out, and then he's like, "I'm just gonna have you keep going." I'm like, "That's fine." And uh, and he's like, "Why aren't you here?" I'm like, "That's a good question. I don't I don't know the answer. Like, mm-hmm. I'm trying my best to get here as often as possible." Yeah, and I'll I'll email the person, the booker, and you know they're like, oh, we'll get you in, and then nothing happens. But then I think that if you if you if you're persistent, I don't know the I don't know the line between persistence and annoying. I think I tend to be more annoying than than less. I think, but I don't know I don't know the answer. I don't know I don't know. Everyone has a different threshold. But I think that yeah. people know that I'm hungry for shows. They know I'm going to do well. The question is, do they want to book me? And I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, I think I think being funny, being professional, that's that helps a lot. But there's a lot of, um, I guess, miscellaneous factors that go into it. I mean, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of clubs that, like, they're trying, like, I mean, 
especially when you don't have an agent, like I'm starting to get into this now because I'm, I'm hearing agents talk about this, but they're like, Oh, I work with this guy at that club. So I'll get you in because I work with whatever big name guy. Yeah. But they have like all these like little package deals that they do, you know, and then it's, uh, you know, then you have someone that's local that maybe fills some of the dates because they can bring a bunch of people. So there's just so much into it. And like just a guy that has no real like ties or connection to the club other than like, I'm a hungry comic. It's like, we are probably like in like the, the third tier of people, you know, like, yeah, like the stuff we get, um, I'm not, we, I don't know, I'm not going to generalize, but the stuff I get a lot of times, it's just like, Hey, um, you want to come do this, blah, blah, blah. And I know someone canceled. I oh know yeah. I get the last minutes all the time. Yeah. And then I'll be like, I'll be like, no, but here are my avails for the next two months. <laughs> yeah. And then I'll respond. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I'm honored that they're think of us because they know we're funny or whatever. That means they that we're on their radar. But it is frustrating to not. There's certain variables like we can't control. There's the politics of it. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know the answer. To that there's one club that I had a I had a comic ask for me to open. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, we already got it covered. It's like this one, this comedian's gonna sell out your weekend. And yeah. They're asking for an opener, and you're you're talking, and then I was like, I, "Don't that that me that 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 would enrage me if I was the guy asking that we got our own guy." I'm like, "The fuck are you talking about?" Like, yeah, but I mean, it's like a good club, so they're not gonna they're not gonna. I know, yeah. Like, don't don't fucking, you know, on my behalf, cause a disturbance because of me. But it just there's that variable, and then I actually confronted the booker. I'm like, "So what should I do?" Like you told me to like i pay attention i'm like you told me to send you your veils or to reach out to a comedian so they can bring their own i did both and you're not booking me and then you know radio silence so it's like yeah. it's kind of funny and then you just kind of be like all right well what other clubs are in that city and then to me what i do is i'm like i'm gonna find a theater or a club nearby there and just destroy and just like get that audience to come see me instead and that's that's the only thing you can do yeah yeah, you yeah invite yeah. them to the show and be like hey you should come to the show it's sold out yeah that'll get their attention too i was talking to someone uh recently they were doing this not in a, like a negative like i'll prove to you i'm just like here's what i could have done for you right sometimes that's what it takes though sometimes that's what it takes seeing success um down the block or just success yeah. elsewhere and they're like oh shit and then they'll and then they'll they'll get into like a bidding war and then it's all messy. But it's good because then it makes you feel wanted. Um, all right. So where did you? Uh, so you said you were from Florida originally? No, I'm from Chicago originally. I grew up in the okay. suburbs of Chicago. Okay, Chicago, born and raised. Um, in in the city, in the West sub, No, it's a suburb. It's in a uh, suburb of Chicago called Oak Brook, Illinois. Oak Brook. Oh, Old Brook. All right, all right. Cool. Yeah. Where'd you go to high school? It was called Hinsdale Central. Hinsdale Central? Central Red Devils. The Red Devils. That was the mascot? That was our mascot. I think nice. it's still is, yeah. So how was it? I know you said you uh you kind of grew up uh <laughs> is it okay to say you grew up wealthy? I know that's that's weird to yeah, say. Yeah, I did. It was a wealthy area. It was my parents were like uh the Persian Jeffersons because we grew up on on food stamps when my my dad was in medical school in yeah. Pennsylvania. He was born in Philly. Mm -hmm. But uh, I don't remember any of that. My older brother remembers all of it. But I, we moved to a wealthy area when I was in third grade. Yeah. So we went from like rags to riches pretty quickly. But yeah. from third grade on, I was in a, in a uh, 
wealthy community. So you don't you don't have your formative year. You don't remember anything from being poor, basically. I do remember a little. I just remember. <laughs> okay. Like, yeah. I don't remember food stamps and stuff like that. But uh, yeah. like my dad was was raising two kids while he was in medical school. Jesus. Uh, in and I remember the apartment we lived in, but I don't remember food stamps or anything like that. Um, yeah. I think by the time we moved from Philly to Chicago when I was two. By that time, my dad was making, you know, decent money where he was middle class. And then I think his practice took off. He was a surgeon. He took it took off when nice. when I was in third grade and then it skyrocketed, I think. And uh, very cool. But we were never like I, my parents were very never showy. Like we had a unassuming house from mm-hmm. the front. We saw our house growing up, which I talk about a lot now because we just sold it yeah uh, they lived there for 39 years and uh on the front it looks like just a one one story house but if you look at the back it was three stories and there was an it was an indoor pool but oh, that did it kind extend of, extended like way back no so it was on a hill so the front was like uh you only see the first level and yeah. part of the second level but it went on a hill that declined and in the back we had a creek so yeah. from the creek side you could see the various floors and it was like a 70s mid-century modern house that sounds really cool it was a fucking party house we had an indoor pool yeah but uh, that describes my parents like they they were unassuming they don't want people to know they they had uh, a, a nice life and right from the from the I, surface I, it seems unassuming then when you get the you walk in you walk yeah. in the spot, you check it out a bit you get to know them a little bit it's like oh these people are killing it like my dad had a Mercedes convertible that was yeah. part, you couldn't see it in the garage because it was hidden. Like that's yeah, epitome of how my parents were. And they never gave us things. We Like I had to work. Yeah. Uh, my work ethic is from my father because like I had three jobs when I was 16. Like, yeah. And uh, if he's like, oh, you want, you want a car? Okay, here, you're going to pay for this, this, and this. And so that was something that was instilled in me. Um, but yeah, we grew up, well, I grew up in a wealthy area and uh, all my friends were like spoiled, like. Yeah. Friends, so I do, I, I, I find something really cool and really admirable about someone that's got a lot going on, but doesn't say shit about it. You know, yeah. like um, I was in uh, Boise doing these shows and there's this uh, bartender and he's just, you know, just normal looking guy, you know, nothing special to him. We're chatting it up, and I'm like, "Yeah, I'm a comedian." And blah, blah. He goes, "Oh, you ever go to L.A.?" I'm like, "Yeah, I go to L.A. sometimes." Like, oh, I got a, you know, I used to live there. I got a a, a guy who runs a show. You should hit him up. I'm like, "All right, cool." So I hit the guy up. I come in to, to do the shows the next day. We're talking, and then it's like one of those things where I see him. Like, did we? Did I know this guy from high school? Because I kept asking him, "Did you grow up in Jersey? Did you grow up in?" And he's like, "No, no, no, Los Angeles." Bo. I'm like, "Fuck, man, you look so." And then uh, I got his name. I put it in Google. Dude, this guy was in Super Troopers. He was in like oh, all wow. the fucking big movies, dude. And I, I never brought it up to him, but you know, I found that out. And then when I would go back to the bar, I'd be like, hey, buddy, how's it going? Yo, yeah. yo hey, hey, you want to talk? Yeah, it's, 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 that's kind of crazy. Like, I was just taught to always be like, you don't know anything about anybody. Yeah. Very, very good about raising me. Like, don't be assuming you're not better than anyone. Um, yeah. So that was something that that was a big part of me in high school too. And, and Oakbrook is part of Hinsdale. And we were like a community that was smaller, but wealthier. 
And then we were fed into this other high school or other junior high, which was huge, wealthy, but not as wealthy as Oakbrook. But they ran the show. The Hinsdale people ran the show. Oh, interesting. Intruders. So you had to kind of work your way into the cool crowds as a uh, as an outsider. And um, mm-hmm. I was a social climber. So I was like, I'm going to figure out how to do this. So I love that. Yeah. My brother was a like smart exceeded he was a he's an md phd neurosurgeon so oh he was God. smart all the time i couldn't compete with that because i i had undiagnosed add i wasn't gonna do that so i was gonna excel in sports and and social status so yeah, i yeah. became like a popular outgoing kid that's what my goal was was to make friends yeah yeah and, uh, and i did that like I, as a as i from freshman year i was like a quiet like loser nerdy not nerdy because i wasn't smart yeah. But like uh I played tennis. I I was really good tennis player. Um but uh like I, I couldn't get a date to homecoming. I asked like three girls. No yeah. girl would go out with me because I was like five one, oh, nine no. tiny, scared of everyone. Like I was I just thought I remember going down this cl- all of high school, you were five one? No, no, no. I, I grew okay. I was like five eight by junior year, but uh um, okay. But freshman year, I was like afraid of, I was getting my ass kicked, like thrown in a locker because I could fit in a locker. <laughs> yeah. Didn't happen. But um, then I became friends with all the cool kids. And then like, I slowly became like popular. And then um, I was always like, I had a lot of guy friends, but all the girls in high school, like just, I was their friend. Like, yeah. No one, I didn't date. I didn't go to a date, a prom or homecoming till senior year i think maybe junior year i don't know right how so how do you like um what are your techniques for social climbing so i got lucky um eighth grade uh our washington dc trip all my best friends in my small junior high like i said we were the small junior high yeah. the outsiders in the wealthy of the wealthiest community um of the three feeder schools and there was another one too but that they were like us but on the lower spectrum of of money i guess right and so they all all my best friends just decided to stop talking and be friends with me so i had no friends the last four months of eighth grade they just they, they, they stopped talking to you to this day i still don't know why all of a sudden they decided we're not friends with paul anymore that's how it was just like a thing yeah i, I it was sucks, like oh. but it's like i when you're talking about eighth grade and high, i believe it man like, like it's very tough it yeah was it was a very that summer was really hard for me i remember being sad i, I like yeah got but all the girls all my friends i started hanging out with them in eighth grade and they they like yeah. took me under and everything like that well that the first week of high school again i'm fucking shitting my bricks because I'm tiny and now I have no friends. Yeah. The first week, my other friend, uh, I did have a few friends and we took out, my dad used to take me driving when I was 14. Nice. I loved driving. And then, so he, he took me out driving, but uh, like it was only on his terms, like like, once a week, but I loved, I would take out the car on my own. Mm -hmm. Uh, we did that and we got arrested. And so, um, I got arrested for taking out a car yeah. when I was 14. And then the folklore of what happened ended up being a lot bigger. I mean, I was a smart ass kid when the cops pulled us over. And I was also like 
they used to call me Senator Paul because I would like get out of everything. Yeah. Just remind <laughs> the officer. Somehow I knew that since we turned off the car, they couldn't charge us with it. So they could only charge us with a curfew violation. Right. So uh, folklore got out that I was this badass kid that took out a car and got arrested and all this yeah. shit. So I became like instantly cool. Yeah, yeah, so All yeah. these cool kids and who are my friends to this day um, took me under and I, be I went, started going to parties and started drinking. Yeah. And I was like, I became cool like instantly right. from that. It's it's so interesting how, because I remember that, I had that phase too, where I'm like, I got to get detention. I got to get suspended if I want anyone to think I'm, uh, to fit in. I mean, yeah, I didn't me. mean to do that at all. It just all kind of fell in. And it was only out of desperation because I had no friends. So it was like, yeah. well, anyone that'll talk to me, I just want to have a friend. And then, yeah. um, then I was invited to all these like parties. And then I was like, oh my God, like I'm cool now. And then all those assholes from eighth grade, we're now trying to get into the yeah, yeah. And I was like, I didn't stop them, but I wasn't going to help them either. I was like, all right, well, we'll see what happens. Right, right, right. I was, I was in this click and it was just kind of like one of those things. And and it's kind of funny because I always, I always want to approach those guys and be like, hey, why did you guys stop talking to me? Yeah. And I think we should ask them about it now because it might be a good joke out of it. Yeah. It's also time. And I think enough time has passed where it's not going to meet, you know, matter but dude i had a phase like that too i was um it was a uh, first year of college right freshman year of college i went away and i like had a crazy fucking transition year you know i made all these friends in college and i was going wild dude like the the, the kids i was hanging out with in college were maybe 800 times crazier than my friends in in high school Okay. Like, I was in high school, drank and like smoked weed, but these kids were like, like, like the the frat fucking bros, like, like, um, you know, getting into fights, like doing drugs, like just like having like fucking orgies yeah. and shit, wild shit, dude. And I was kind of getting in into all that stuff, and I remember my friends from high school thought I was out of control, like they thought I was like cracked down and stuff. So I had a whole summer. We're like they all, except for one guy. One guy would always text me back. Everyone just just was just turned their backs on me because they thought I was like a fucking psychopath. And and it sucks because because the one guy that did hang out, like we would hang out one on one. But if there was ever like a party where everyone else was was there, he's like, I got it, you know, I got to go to the party, dude. You know, it's like, sorry, bro. Like you know, I wish yeah. it wasn't like this. And dude, I remember it was like the most loneliest summer, and it res it was it resonated not resonated but like the residue was for maybe another year because it gets awkward after, you know, and now, you know, everyone's grown up and like, now it's the opposite. Now they're, I'm now, I, I, I've kind of pointed out to them where it's like, I was having fun. You guys were all being fucking boring, dude. That's what really what it was, you know, right. you guys are sitting around with all dudes smoking weed and drinking. And I was out going, having a, just the fucking best time ever. Sure. And you know, they kind of laugh about it, but yeah, dude, that like, as a kid, like I thought my world was over, bro. I literally thought my world was, completely over you don't know it's before comedy for anything you know well that that was so what happened to me was i was partying a lot and then my grades went to shit freshman oh, year of high yeah. school because i was this popular kid right and then i got all c's which i never got to see in my life before and yeah. so my dad was going to send me to military school <laughs> all c's 
Yeah, my brother, I don't know any of this, but my brother saved my life. I guess he's like, no, he'll figure it out. And he took me aside. He's like, you got to get your shit together. So what I did was. Seize, that's great. I took myself out of the situation. So I told all my friends, I'm like, hey, I can't go out as much anymore. I got to get on Dean's list or I'm going to get fucking, this is going to happen. Yeah. So then they like pulled away. And then they also stopped hanging out with me too because they were like, this guy's a loser. He's like bringing me to the table. And then um, my sophomore year, it's funny because um, I was on the tennis team. I had my tennis friends, but that's one thing. But they were all kind of nerds too, other than like the the one, my two best friends were like the same group. We were in the same group, the cool group, and we also played tennis. But um, that sophomore year, my dad told me that if I got on Dean's list, I would get a car. So sophomore year, uh, I'll get a new car. So yeah. I, I just focused on grades. Mm-hmm. I, I took myself out of the cool crowd and like tried to insert myself into a different crowd. I'm like, well, these guys don't drink. Maybe if I stick out with them, yeah, they're like kind of cool, but like they're ba- they were like the basketball players and they were like they were like cool, but not like um not partiers. Not partiers. Yeah, you can't. So yeah. I started out with them too, but they were kind of boring. And I was yeah. like, ah. So I just kind of became a loner. And then once I got a car sophomore year, I didn't make Dean's list, but I, my dad, I was so close. My dad's like, all right, well, you'll get a car. It's not going to be new. And uh, <laughs> then I, then I started going back to my friends. And then by junior year, I was like fully embedded again. Mm-hmm. Then my brother uh, looks like me, but he's, he's seven years older. He, uh, or six years older, he got a, uh, uh, he went to the DMV and took a picture. I had braces, clear braces. Yeah. His mouth took a picture to look to get an ID. Mm-hmm. So at 16, I had a fake ID. Right. And I became the coolest kid in high school because I could buy everyone alcohol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had that so privilege then, too. Then yeah. I became, then it was like, not only that, but my friends all drank for free because I'd go to parties and I had a, a like all the liquor stores knew me. I didn't have to show IDs. Yeah. Like, hey, what's up? And uh, and so I would be like, okay, well, you guys want a case of Keystone? It's twenty dollars. Like, that's I would just make money off of yeah, yeah, <laughs> like a side hustle. Yeah. And I would like all my friends wouldn't have to pay for alcohol. We're like, all right, we'll let these nerds buy all the drinks, and then um, and people didn't know the price of alcohol really. Right. They just wanted out. They don't care. Like. Right. So I would charge like let's say Keystone Light was like five ninety nine. I'd I'd be like, well, it's twelve dollars. So yeah, I used to do that I too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I was um, I didn't start doing that. Till I was such a I was so not smart that way. Like I would just, <laughs> it wasn't until like later in life, like later, like I guess probably like 20, 19, 1920 where i started doing that but i was able to get liquor at like like 16 i didn't even have a fake id dude like the liquor store by my house they just liked me for some whatever reason there was just one day because they did used to card me and then one day i walked and they didn't and then ever since then there was no problem but like i was such a now look back at it i always was honest with the price like a fucking idiot i could have made so much money i was honest with my friends but just like if i went to a party and i felt like they were using me yeah okay that's cool but this is what you're gonna pay um They used to have a bit about it. I just remembered before COVID, I was working on it. Now I got to bring it back. But like, yeah, it's funny because that liquor store guy, I would forget. Uh, sometimes I'd go in as my brother. Yeah. Because my brother was in medical school. But yeah. Then sometimes I would be drunk at the liquor store and I'd be like what I pictured myself to be 
when I'd be 25. I'm like, yeah, I'm in law school. And he's like, wait, I thought you were in medical school. I'm like, oh. I'm like, yeah, both. Like I would just like, <laughs> like I would just fucking fall apart. And then yeah. like, I'm like, how do they not know? Like I come in with a tuxedo. They're like, oh, where were you at? I'm like, uh, just an outing. It's like we were just at fucking prom. Like he knows. Yeah, yeah. they know. They don't. They don't give a shit, dude. Yeah. yeah. But I had an idea, and they just knew me, and all the liquor stores knew me, and I bring my friends into. I'm like, well, maybe they'll get to know you. So you don't, you know, you could start, but it never, it never, it works. never works. Yeah. It's just one, it's, it's you and everyone else can go fuck themselves. I remember that. I remember, um, <laughs> trying to get my friends hooked up too. And then the guy be like, no, fuck this guy. Just you, man. And I'm like, all right, all right. It's cool. It's cool. Yeah, no, like, it was so funny. Like those prestige liquors, like the two brothers that owned there were these Indian guys who like, like, it was funny. Cause like, sometimes I, they, what the joke I had, which is a true story. Like they, I was in medical school. So they would ask me medical questions and be like, yeah. Oh yeah, it's just a mole. Like, and I'm like, <laughs> cancer now. Cause I fucking lied about right. being in medical school, you know, <laughs> it's oh, like, it's just mall. here's my, here, I'll take my fucking absolute vodka and go now. Yeah. It was insane. I, yeah. they, they were in so embedded. Like I, I felt like I had a dream once that I went back and apologized to them. Like, Hey, just so you know, you guys like, and my dad knew I had a fake ID too. So like, for oh, Thanksgiving, wow. I'd be like freshman year of college or even senior year, they knew and they were like okay with it as long as I didn't drink and drive, which we fucking did. Oh, yeah, dude. Being like idiots. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's cringe to think about because I did that a lot. Yeah. You would think that you learned after like one car accident where your friend's drunk, but no. Wow. Um, it has to happen to you. That's what it, it has to happen to you. Then you learn. Oh, I was in a car three times with a drunk driver. With I mean, with I got into an accident. An accident involving a drunk driver. I was hit by a drunk driver, and twice I was with a friend who was drunk driving. Yeah. But I'm just like, oh, it's fine. Um. But uh. But my dad would send me on liquor runs. He'd be like, <laughs> "Can you go get some more alcohol for the for Thanksgiving?" I'm like, "What are you talking about? I'm only I'm only 19." He's like, "Okay." <laughs> okay okay <laughs> i <laughs> love that. like a funny thing that i was like okay he knows yeah um all right so what about the you you said you had trouble with the ladies right yeah i yeah. didn't i couldn't get a date um did you end up getting one for prom i got a date for prom and my date uh hooked up with my friend the night before <laughs> so like the friday so friday was prom and then the weekend we went to lake geneva which all expense paid yeah whatever so that friday night after prom my friend who didn't go to uh prom we go to the post par post prom party she disappears and goes off and hooks up with this guy and you know i i went out i, I took her because i thought i was gonna get laid and i think she knew that too and she's like well i'm not gonna fuck you right. and uh and uh like wow, and she fucks her friend and I, and I prom i kind of was like ignoring her i didn't mean to but i was just like so excited to like we we're all saying bye to our friends you know as our last yeah thing. yeah and then so she probably felt neglected so she went and hooked up with this guy and then i had to spend the rest of the weekend we drove together in silence to this lake geneva outing yeah and then i just remember like i was like well fuck it i'm just gonna party with the guys and that's yeah. what i did and like all the girls that were there it was like eight of us couples they were all like mad at me because i was just like let's go listen to music in my car i got pearl jam and like we'd fucking yeah. we'd go listen to pearl jam in my car and uh 
just drink and smoke. And then uh, the girl's like, I thought we were going to hang out too, but because my date was like annoying. So you cock blocked everyone. Cock blocked everyone. Well, yeah. the guy would rather hang out with me than, and some of them were also cock blocked because they're like, they thought they, they were going with girls that were easy and, and they no were. Yeah. I can be honest, man. Like, cause I went to prom with my, um, my girlfriend at the time and we got into like kind of an argument, something, I don't know if it was a full on argument, but we got into something and she was fucking so beat dude. She wanted to like sleep one of the nights. Yeah. And so we ended up sleeping and I missed like, one, I mean, it was like prom weekend was whatever, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I missed like all of one day, which is essentially missing the whole thing. Cause you leave Sunday. And I remember waking up cause I, we had sex and then like, she wanted to sleep, so I'm like, all right, I'll cuddle with you, then I'll go, you know, play beer pong and get fucked up all night. But I fell asleep, I woke up at eight, and it was like, it's like you're late to work or something. I shrieked, I'm like, <laughs> and I fucking ran out, and everyone's kind of like, you could tell it was a crazy night, because there's yeah. cups, solo cups everywhere, fucking people passed out, and there's just a group of people, like, smoking cigarettes, smoking weed, kind of like, right, uh, like, dying down. I'm like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Like, bro, we, where were you, man? Like, we were looking, we were looking for you all night. And I'm just like, ah. uh, yeah. And it was like, I still regret it to this day. So I think, um, and listen, it, it could have been all good. Like you could have had fun and also gotten laid, but I would, I would have rather not have gotten laid and just partied all night. Right. Yeah. Well, that I, been better. All I wanted was to like have a girlfriend in high school. Yeah. And I just, I didn't, I didn't like kiss a girl till like junior year. I didn't like, I had a girlfriend, I think my junior year and uh, like, she wouldn't, she wouldn't put out like, and I was like the only guy that was like, and the, and the girl that I dated, I know my other friends had hooked up with her. And I was just like, why isn't she like letting me, you know, do anything. And I, I, I just was just like a horny little. <laughs> yeah. And I yeah. Just, it like, sounds so, it sounds so horrible. But you're not even expecting her to do it. You're almost like someone for the love of God, you know, like I just like, every all my friends were telling stories about like they're like, you know what it's like to like, you know, finger yeah. a girl. I was like, Yeah, I know. I did it in Alaska. Like I didn't I didn't <laughs> I told I had a lie. We had our I, winter coats on. <laughs> yeah. Like we went on a cruise to Alaska. I'm like, yeah, I fucked this girl. I mean, I, I did hook up with a girl, but yeah. like uh I remember, like I said, I lost my virginity in my cousin's house in Oklahoma, which was a complete lie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's always my virginity until college. Like, it was insane. But I was trying so hard. And all my friends were, like, having sex and, like, everything. I was like, what? And, and, it, and it was, we'd all go on, like, these crazy dates, like, group dates. And I would be the only one that didn't get anything. And I would, yeah. and, I, and also, I was so shy and so, like, insecure that, like, there were girls that later would be like, yeah, we would have hooked up with you. We just oh, you never yeah. asked us out. I'm like, cause I couldn't, I was like so yeah. shy and like just around women. Like, I, I mean, I could be like, it was like one of those things where you're like a kid, like you can't talk to the girl you like, or you'd make fun of her. Cause like, yeah. Instead of like, like you, like, I think a lot of times, like we deflect, you know, cause it's like, it's like it's actually going well. And then you do like the ignoring thing. I mean, that's a classic one where you're like, you're at whatever with your date and you're just ignoring her all night. Bah, 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 I'm too cool. Right. And, like they end up getting turned off, you know? And yeah, then that's, you don't that's get laid. Cool. And then you're like, what happens? Like, cause you don't know how to, you don't know how to court basically, you know? Oh, I had zero game. Yeah. I still don't. But at that time it was like, <laughs> it was like, uh, it was just like one of those things. I remember it was just like the insecurities and, 
my friends were so mean to me too. Like we were all so mean to each other. We'd find like our insecurities and just fucking pound them. And I was small. I had a big nose and like everything was just like, it was just, everything was like pound. So I had no, no confidence around women. But then when I went to college it like all changed. And I remember coming back freshman year and like I hooked up with like, every girl <laughs> oh like really back, back yeah. when you came back to high school the, your hometown when i came back to after first year of college everyone came back from school and that like i was like oh i'm in a fraternity now like i know what's up and yeah uh, i was hooking up with all the girls that i had crushes on oh stuff. good for you dude yeah but yeah in high school it was different it was like i couldn't get a date to any of the dances um I mean, freshman year, I remember I asked three girls to homecoming and they all, one said, no, one said like, I'll get back to you. It never got back to me. And then then you're available. It was such a weird thing. Cause I was just, I just want to go to homecoming. Cause I was like, maybe if I go to homecoming, I'll like, I'll like make more friends too. Cause this was still the period of like, I was still like established myself as this badass who got arrested. It's so crazy. yeah. yeah. I never, no, I, I never was good with the girls. Yeah, it's so crazy how like everything's so like like for me too, so everything was so calculated. Like maybe this will put me over the it's like it's like with comedy, it's like maybe this will give me my big break. This is a, yeah, like maybe this will put me into stardom, maybe this will put me in the popular group, you know. And I and I was in the popular group and like I was well known and I, I was like in all the cliques in a way, like I got along with everybody. But yeah. the one thing that sucked because of that. Um, and because I was like a tennis player, we were, tennis was a big deal at our school. We won state and everything like that, mm-hmm. of course, cause wealthy school, we were good at like swimming and tennis. But, um, the one thing that sucked about that is like the things that I was really interested in, like music and like arts and stuff. Those are like the nerdy theater kids and stuff. I never did that because yeah. I didn't want to get the, the backlash. Yeah. So like, I started doing that later in life, like playing music and, uh, and doing improv and stuff like I was so behind I never had the fundamentals of like yeah. acting and stuff all the people at like improv at Second City mm-hmm. I was in the conservatory there and there were all these people who came to Chicago to do improv yeah like saying things like well it's like the fourth wall I'm like what's the fourth wall and they're like you don't know what the fourth wall is I'm like <laughs> the most basic term <laughs> bitch I fucking beat you guys up in high school like I yeah. don't know Tell me what it is, I'll beat you up now. <laughs> yeah, like it, it's that shit that like I wanted I was too cool for school to like find what I really liked because I was like, well, I wanted my friends to like me. I'm like, well, maybe if I if yeah. I don't do that and we make fun of that, it was one of those things that sucked. And those creatives were like so cool. And I, I'm sure they're all crushing now too. It's just like fuck, I wish I I wish yeah. I did more of that. That's okay. And the, my my you know, cause uh a lot of people have that same uh, feeling. Um, I, I'm for one, like I was always obsessed with like getting into comedy and acting and like being a, a, on TV and all that shit. I didn't do shit about it until I was in college because I was too focused on right. trying to be cool and partying. Right. Um, now really going for what I wanted to do. But I always tell people, at least you're doing it, man, because I think more people probably have that and they don't, they don't do shit about it. And they get right. now it's, doing whatever job and they hate themselves. Like, that's why I get so many people like, Oh my God, it's so cool. You're doing blah, 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 blah. You know, like, blah, blah, blah. and you're like, yeah, I mean, why don't you try it? Oh, I got a wife, kid. You know, it's right. Oh, so, 
yeah. now, yeah. There's yeah. some credit, so I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Right. No, I, I definitely do now. But it's like one of those things where it's like I was so uh, needing to be be assimilated because I was Middle Eastern and I was like, oh, you know, I want to just be white kid. I was a predominantly white school. I'm like, I don't want to be one of the minorities. I want to be like, yeah, like my friends. Like, mm -hmm. and if they don't do that stuff, I can't do that stuff. So like. I was so afraid of like steering away from what the cool things were to do. And if, yeah. like one of our friends played in band, I'm like, we used to make fun of them. I'm like, well, I don't want to be made fun of for that. I'm not going right. to. Meanwhile, you're in your, in your heart, in your brain, you're like, oh, I'm pretty cool. I love to yeah. play an instrument. Like yeah. When I talked to him about music. I'm like, so what's it like? What do you guys do in, in band and stuff? Right. But, then all the other kids come, you're like, stupid fucking nerd. But yeah, like the theater stuff, like it didn't really interest me, but I did. I was always interested in like acting and stuff, but I was like, well, I'm, I'm going to be a lawyer in, in politics. So why waste my time? Right, right, right. Cool. Well, um, let's wrap up here, man. I always ask this question to end the podcast. Uh, but if you can go back in high school and change anything, uh, what would you change? Get the get in the DeLorean, 88 miles an hour. I would ask out everyone in that I was afraid to ask out. <laughs> That'd be That's great. Good. Go back and like, Paul just asked out 11 girls today. Holy <laughs> shit. I'd be like, hey, do you want to go on a date? I just feel like I wouldn't care about rejection. I mean, because we're comedians, nothing like the confidence that we exude, undeserved sometimes is ridiculous. Like, I, I, I agree. In a, in a in a logical sense but there is still like i was at the gym today and like i got a girlfriend but like there was i mean i'm in la so all these i mean and i'm going to equinox so all these girls oh, yeah. are celebrity models out there yeah yeah and then i'm thinking like you know like for fun i want to go up to one and be like hey you want to come to the like, comedy show and like just for fun but i'm still thinking like oh man like, boy, whew. you know i'm like sweating yeah. like and yesterday i did a fucking you know doing a show for hundreds of people like at, at the comedy store and like right before going on there i'm like i'm not even paying attention i'm on my phone and it's my hear my name called oh, and i'm like running up like right, exactly but it's still something it's still something different about maybe because it's like to a i think we just get comfortable but it's still some it's not exactly doesn't really translate like i hate people that are like oh you go on stage you should be able to talk to a woman no problem I'm like and eh, i don't know right it's, it doesn't translate but there is like that confidence, especially after a show where it's like, yeah, you know, you just crushed. Like, oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. You're like unbearable, I think. At least I get really unbearable. Like, I'm just like, yeah, so cocky. I feel it too. Cause like, yeah, I think this happened the other day. I, I did really well and I get up and like, whoever's next and other comics who are probably like just in their head thinking about their set. I'm like, yeah, fuck off. Oh, what's up, bros? Yo, what's up, bro? And they're just like, yeah. kind of like, okay, dude. Just, it's just so fuck. annoying. And, <laughs> and on the flip side, like if you fucking bomb, you're just like, oh, I hate everything right now. Dude, I, anytime I bomb at a club, um, <laughs> it's like, especially when they feed you, I just sulk in the green room. Yeah. Like, do you want anything for the kitchen closes? I'm like, do I deserve? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But if I crush, I'm out there like, yo, give me chicken tenders, give me a fucking five beers. No, I want more curry cake. Yeah, it's yeah. it's so fucking. We're so like the highs are so high and the lows are so low. Yeah. All right. Uh. So uh. Thanks for doing this, bro. Tell everyone where they can find you. Yeah. Uh, at Paul Farvar is my uh, Instagram. If you do Paul F A R, it pops up. 
Um, and then my website is paulfcomedy.com. Nice. Yeah, if you're ever in Chicago, go, go check out Paul. He's the king of Chicago. Uh, um, and uh, he's all over the road. Go check him out. Super funny dude. Um, thank you, James. Super nice guy. Super, um, yeah, dude, you're, yeah, yeah. Um, I respect your work ethic. I respect you as a comic. And uh, Likewise, you know that. Thanks, bro. Um, guys, uh, go follow the podcast page on Instagram. I'm just a kid podcast. Um, that would be very helpful. And this weekend, I believe I will be at this uh, gig in Palm, PA on Thursday, the 28th, and then Hartford Funny Bone, the 31st. Um, go buy tickets at jamescomacho.com. And uh, we appreciate you listening every goddamn week. It means a lot. And we'll see you next week. Thank you. Thanks, James.